Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. appreciation and adoration for not just the Lord, but for the privilege of being in his house and his service this evening. Amen. I want you, if you will, to join me in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2. I am also going to read a couple of verses from the book of 1 Peter, but if you'll just join me in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12, I'll move quickly to the next passage. And uh, I want to talk again this evening about the fact that the Bible is just timeless and filled with timeless truths. And it reaches every generation. I said last Wednesday night that it is as applicable to you and I this evening as it has ever been to any generation. And it fits our lives. It answers our questions. Amen. It makes itself available for that healing balm that we need I'm thankful for the timeless truths of the Word of God. Amen. This evening, as well as probably almost in any service, I may mention some things that that you particularly are going through. That's not on purpose. But it's the same principle is true when you buy a certain car or vehicle. You, You become eminently aware of how many other people are driving that same vehicle. And so sometimes when you're going through some things and those things are talked about, it's not because somebody's talking about them more. It just happens to be that you're more aware of it because that has brushed up against your life or perhaps it may even be something you're going through at the same time. And so I just ask the Lord tonight to just touch our hearts and our lives together and let his word be that balm that we need this evening in our lives. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 12, the Bible says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. I'll quickly move to 1 Peter 4 and 12, and you can follow on the screens. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. The word of God addresses many things. And I think it's important to understand as we looked last Wednesday night at how the word of God addresses our purpose in the kingdom, not just our purpose in the kingdom, but our purpose also in this natural life. 
this evening I want to talk on the subject of suffering. And I realize that I may not have to quieten you and may not ask you to stop running so I can finish my message this evening. But I want us to see what the Word of God has to say about suffering. Because if you have not, and I'm not trying to sound doom and gloom, but it's just a fact of life, but if you have not and are not, chances are you will at some point walk through some great valley of despair. That valley is different lengths for all of us, but let's see what God's word has to say about this. Amen? Lord, I love you this evening, and I thank you for the privilege that you have afforded me tonight to be able to stand before such a wonderful congregation and to be able, Lord, to be called the pastor of this tremendous church. I'm asking you tonight, God, to let your word find a resting place in our heart. And I'm asking you, Lord, this evening to let this word, whatever ear may hear this message, I pray, God, that this word will find a place in our heart of healing and hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. God has certainly given us the gift of life, and oh, what a wonderful experience it is. I want to enjoy every part of it that I possibly can. I had a friend of mine the other day, we were about the same age, and we were joking about uh, growing old. He said, I've never seen anything like it in my life. He said, you can go to bed and wake up with an injury. (laughs) And that's almost the truth. And then I understood exactly what he was talking about. He said, I didn't do anything through the night, but I woke up with an injury. No matter what station we are in life, I want to do everything that I can to enjoy that. Life is such a privilege. Life is such a gift. Oh, yes, it is. In Jesus Christ, we can learn to not only appreciate the wonderful things that come our way in life, but we can also appreciate life's challenges, life's purpose, and the potential that life affords us. I want to speak about the relevancy this evening of God's word to you and I today. The the, uh, four gospels, the four gospel writers, devoted one-third of their records to those seemingly helpless but not hapless hours of Jesus Christ's life. They wrote about his agony in the garden with great detail. They talked about his arrest, his trial, the mocking, the beating, the crucifixion. We are not left with any questions concerning this particular journey of his life. Perhaps when we think about the suffering of Jesus Christ and when we even think about the suffering of the apostles and how that they gave their life, if they did not give their life literally, which most of them did, they certainly gave their life for the cause of the kingdom and its purpose. Perhaps no culture has been so adverse to pain and suffering as is the world that we're living in today. We do everything that we can to avoid it. People use many tools, everything that's available, and many things are, every available tool to avoid suffering, whether that's drugs or alcohol, or the list could go on and on and on. But at the end of the day, here is the conclusion that we all must reach, and that is, in this life, a measure of pain is just simply unavoidable. There is no way around it. We have to and will encounter it. Everyone 
suffers. Our sufferings may be different, our trials, of course, and the things that we encounter in life, those valleys that we walk through will all be colored differently, but they will be nonetheless important or as traumatic for those who are walking there. In 1 Peter 4 and 12, Simon Peter said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as as though some strange thing happened unto you. So what the apostle is trying to drive home in our life is that suffering is not strange, nor is suffering just limited to saints or is it limited to sinners, but we will all suffer. There is no escape route around it, over it, or under it. We are going to have to encounter this. Now, I don't want you to get all melancholy and down and out on me tonight. We're going to talk about this to its fullest. There is no way around it. There is no way to escape it, over it, or under it. The only thing that is left for us to do is to go through it. We just have to keep walking. Amen? I've said to many people that you will, depending on the circumstance that they were facing, you may never get over this, but you must get beyond it. Amen. There are some things that we will never get over, but we are called on by life to get beyond that. So when we allow, or when God rather allows a burden to be placed upon us, though he will give us the strength, the wherewithal to bear it. God will empower us to endure That's not a popular word, and I understand this is not a popular subject, but God will empower us to endure. For example, when when Moses experienced God's strength, or for example, Moses experienced God's strength in the midst of a great affliction in his life, he became eminently aware that God was at work even though everything around him seemed to be falling to pieces. In the book of Hebrews, I want to turn our attention to the 11th chapter in verse 24. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, I know we're we're pretty well versed in these few passages of Scripture right here. Even verse 26 that that says, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than treasures in Egypt, than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Verse 27, interestingly though, says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. Now look at this last little portion, as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. I I know that we rehearse well verses 24 by faith when he was come to years. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We have verse 25 to a degree nailed down in our life that he chose rather to suffer the afflictions of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He esteemed the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures, riches than the treasures of Egypt. Amen, but when we get to this last little verse, let's not miss something critically important to the overall story. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
Moses was able to endure for one reason and one reason only. It's not because he was Superman. It's not because he was endued with some absolute power from on high. Moses was a man, a human being, just like every one of us that are in this room tonight. Amen. But there was something in all that was going on in his life. He saw another hand in the mix. He saw another man in the fire, if you please. He saw the involvement of God in it. Moses saw him who is invisible. Now, I'm going to tell you this evening that if we are honest with ourselves, sometimes even in the midst of our suffering, we can be overwhelmed by the things that are coming our way in life. We may not be prepared for the phone call initially or the ensuing phone calls that seemingly will not end. But I'm going to ask you this evening how many times even in the midst of our mess we have gotten a glimpse of the hand of God at work. Now that may have been minuscule, that may have been very, very small against the tide of everything that we were facing. But I'm going to tell you that in the midst of our world seemingly crumbling apart on all four corners, there have been times that all of us have seen the hand of God at work, even if it was in just a subtle fashion. And so when we catch that glimpse of God's hand at work, (laughs) we know that God is not letting us walk through this dark valley of despair because he is picking on us or he is flexing his eternal muscles, but God is working something greater than we could ever dare, hope, think, or imagine. Amen. God has a word for those who are suffering today. It causes our trials to begin to fade and we, when, when we see that hand of God, even that subtle hand of God at work, it helps us to understand somewhat the suffering of life. However, no matter how much we see the hand of God, let's just be honest, suffering still hurts. It should seem obvious that a proper understanding of suffering would help us cope whatever we may, may face. And I think that is largely, to, at least largely true to a degree, but it does not take away the pain. As a born again child of God, we may, of course, experience very, various kinds of sufferings and I, I haven't even attempted to come to this pulpit with an exhaustive list. But I believe that no matter how varied the sufferings may be. They all possess the power to change us. Now here's the critical thing. They can change us for the good or they can change us for the bad. We can let this that we're walking through make us or break us. And so I've got to be still and be in the hand of God and realize that the Lord will never put more on me than I can bear. Perhaps circumstances don't have the power to mold us, but it's our reactions to those circumstances that certainly shape us. And so I've got to be very, very careful that I allow the purpose of God to be born throughout whatever it is that I may face. Sometimes the sufferings that we encounter in life may be physical. And of course, those physical sufferings vary from one side of the extreme to the other. Sometimes our uh, sufferings are brought on by the weakness of flesh or perhaps our sufferings are brought on by literal sickness. Maybe others are encountering sources of, uh, of persecutions on the, from the outside, so to speak. 
and there are outside influences that are whittling away or chipping away and, and it wears us down. We're not exempt from physical suffering any more than anyone else. And we understand completely that there are some physical diseases that are just brought on by sometimes sinful habits. It's just that life and, and the abuse of our bodies have just slow walked us down and, and now we're suffering or people are suffering from various things. But there are others that, that sickness or disease has just imposed itself on a person that has endeavored to live a pure life, a wholesome life before God. And so uh, we understand that to, it comes on both sides of that equation. We don't have to necessarily have been asking for it by, by doing unthinkable things. Sometimes it just shows up on our doorstep unannounced. There is no rhyme and there is no reason. To be sure, having the Holy Ghost is not a, a ticket to some trouble-free existence on this earth. Amen. The psalmist alluded to the things that he experienced in his life. The psalmist David talked about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. This same man that was such an encourager of all of those around him who has written songs and psalms that have helped each and every one of us also talked about the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I will fear no evil for God is with me. As a matter of fact, with this same, uh, this same writer, he said, even in the presence of our enemies, that God would prepare a table for us. And so he talked about those times and seasons of uncertainty and times of despair. But what David was trying to underline is that God will sustain us. He will walk with us there. The sufferings of, of this life, of course, from various writers are brief compared to the eternal glory that shall be revealed in us. David said from an Old Testament perspective, weep and may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Much of the physical suffering of a Christian that a Christian encounters is because we are not because of sin or not because of many, many things, but much of what we encounter physically is because we were born into the human race. It's just life. And there is no other explanation. And we can drive ourselves completely crazy trying to find them. But we were just born into a fallen nature. Amen. It's not generally the result of the wrath of God or the judgment of God as often people suppose. Sometimes our sufferings are circumstantial. <clears throat> sufferings that, are, that come our way are just brought about by certain things or circumstances in our life. We may even suffer in some ways that a sinner would, not because we, we live a different life or live the same life, but it's just because of the circumstances of our life. Paul Paul listed many things that brought him physical suffering and persecution as well as a lot of pressure, a lot of suffering, a lot of stress as we may call it in this, in this era. Many of these things that he experienced and he experienced them because and as a direct result of the fact that he was active and willing and an obedient child of God. There were circumstances in his life that brought on some of his sufferings. He could have saved himself a few beatings, we know, if he had just stopped preaching Jesus' name. Paul had every right to grumble. He had every right to complain. He had every right to feel sorry for himself and criticize his place in life. Instead, he did not allow those circumstances to determine nor measure out how much joy he would have in his life. 
His inward relationship with the Lord determined his inner joy and contentment beyond the things that were going on in his life. God was using him mightily. He sought the Lord for deliverance from that thing that was that thorn in his flesh and, and then realizing that when God said, my grace is sufficient, Paul realized at that moment of time, the scales were removed and he said, you know what? God is moving in my life in a spiritual fashion and there are things that I'm going through and but I'm going through in my flesh but God is doing such a work in my spirit so I'm just gonna hold on to what he's doing in the spirit and I'm gonna ask him to help me daily with the things that's going on in my flesh. Those who attempt to do godly things I believe will face circumstances and suffer certain things. First Timothy 3 and 12 said, yea, and then all, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There are some things that are gonna come our way just because of what you believe. Everybody's not gonna hug your neck. Amen. And that may be the greatest affirmation of your walk with God that you ever received. There are some endorsements that you just simply do not want. Amen. There's some things that we go, in, go through in life, of course, that are self-induced. Amen. Sometimes we just bring things on ourselves. Most of this suffering is unnecessary. But oh, do we have a hard time keeping it beat away. In Psalm 73, the psalmist Asaph indulged himself, um, use the word here pretty loosely, but he indulged himself in, in, a, in quite a bit of self-pity. And he brought upon himself some self-induced suffering. Let's see if we can't find, find ourselves here. Truly God is good to Israel, even to so much as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. So here is Asaph, a man mildly used of God, certainly a mouthpiece of the Lord that has encouraged many. But when he started looking through at life through carnal eyes, everything got pretty skewed. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a chance here this evening, but I believe that we have all found ourselves in Psalm 73. I think that we have all peered across the street, over the fence, over the, across the valley, and we've thought, my, 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 this just doesn't make sense. I'm doing everything that I can to, to do right and to live right, and it just seems like the harder I try, it seems that life is just pushing me further and further back, and here are people over here that don't give the Lord five minutes of their time, and it just seems like all of heaven opens up on them and just rains down, but Asaph was looking through carnal eyes and when you look at life through carnal eyes you're never going to understand things like that. So let's keep reading. He said in verse 13 I've cleansed my heart in vain. There we, boy there we are. This has all been for nothing. I've washed my hands in innocency for all the day long I have been plagued and I've been chastened every, every morning. I've just This has all been for nothing. It's just been a waste. I have bought into a pipe dream. He continued to bemoan his plight. In verse 
number 16, he said, when I thought to know this, it was just too painful for me. Or when I began to look over all of these things, it was just too much. It was just too much. And so Asaph began to suffer from self-induced reasons. He had to, he has to change his attitude because if he doesn't change his attitude quickly, he's gonna hit the rocks. And sometimes we all need an attitude adjustment. I know that seems like a worn phrase, but we certainly need an attitude adjustment because we get to looking at life sometimes and, and we just get sour and we're not pleasant to be around because we just have this Molly grub mindset. And so Asaph, if you don't change something, you're gonna be in real big trouble. And so he had to shake himself and he had to wake himself. He had to press through. And let me tell you this this evening, that suffering is not a virtue and, and these things should not become our identity. Please, please, please let me back up and say that again, that suffering is not a virtue and these things should never be our identity or become our identity. We need to press through these seasons. Amen. I don't. I, I want. I want the Lord to understand that I, I. I don't want to wiggle out of His hand if this is the place that I need to be in. But I don't want to start digging footers here. I don't want to start building permanent housing here. I don't want this to become my identity. Finally, Asaph actually came to see the condition of his own foolishness as we read that in verse number 17, 18, and 19. He said, this is what I was thinking and this is what I was feeling until I went into the sanctuary of God. And when I went into the sanctuary of God, I understood their end. And so when I began to realize that their world is built on a very shaky foundation and I'm building something eternal, the weights and the balances, the scales begin to tip back the other way. He said, surely thou didst set them in, a slip, in, in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment and are utterly consumed with terrors? And so all of the things that I thought people had that were so secure, he said, I began to understand that it could all pass in a moment of time. So when we turn our understanding toward God, we're able to see more clearly. And so I'll tell you that being in the presence of God is the best thing we can do when we start feeling sorry for ourselves, and just let the spirit of God bathe us and wash us. And so Asaph closed all of this out by saying this in verse number 28. He said, it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I might declare all thy works. There's something about being in the presence of the Lord. Now, if I could just make a confession here, uh, I, I will ho only do this in, in hopes of relating to everyone that's here. This past Friday and Saturday was our men's conference. We have been looking forward to this for a long, long time. As a matter of fact, we've been looking forward to this men's conference ever since last year at the Popka Men's Conference. And so with great anticipation, I never will forget several weeks ago when I received the first announcement in the mail and I saw the lineup of speakers and, and I'm not speaker oriented about conferences. I, I wanna go to whatever it may be. But of course, uh, there are all of those speakers there. I was familiar with their ministry and I thought, my, this is just gonna be a great time. But you know, as the week began to start that Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday and just lies started coming at you from every conceivable angle and then, and then Thursday and then I thought, Friday, oh, I don't even know if I've got the strength to go.
And so I, like every other man who went to men's conference, left so many things undone. And when I got into the service Friday night, I was just sitting there and, and I'm just confessing. I don't even know why I'm confessing this, but I was just sitting there and I was trying to connect to the singing. I was trying desperately to connect to the first few moments of the preaching. And for just a few moments, I thought, I don't even know if I'm going to have the mental energy to get on this wagon. Am I talking to anybody? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, something just started chipping away. I'm being as serious as I know how to be serious, as I know how to be. Something just started falling away. And I began to hear with my heart, not just my ears, what Brother Huntley was preaching about. And when I went to the room Friday night, I was feeling better. And Saturday morning, from the time the first speaker began, that whatever was falling away and breaking away just continued to chip away and chip away and chip away. And by the time the last speaker was finished and had closed his Bible, God had put a defined purpose in my heart and I was so thankful beyond the reason for being there the most obvious reason for being there but God had dropped a divine purpose and a divine (laughs) oh help me think of the right word now Lord a divine mission to go on I was so thankful that I pushed through that little moment of discomfort Amen. I was so thankful that I pressed through. I'm not boasting to you. I'm trying to be very honest with you and tell you that when Asaph went into the house of God, he said in verse 28, it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare thy works. I'm going to tell you that sometimes it's just the right place to be Not sometimes, always. It's the right place to be in the house of God, in the presence of the Lord. No matter what, you have to push back in order to be there. And no matter how disconnected you may feel through the first song or the second song or the first few moments of a message, but if we'll get in the presence of God, that enemy that was trying to keep us away and keep us at bay and keep us pushed down would just be chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. It is good for us to be in the presence of the Lord. Because if not, we will give way to self-induced suffering. Amen. And so we need to allow the Lord to put things in proper perspective and in proper priority. Now, there are, of course, I believe in the kingdom of God reasons. I don't think that uh, that we're just living our lives to the wind and I don't think that we are at the very realm of anything but, but the plan of God. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, for all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so in the kingdom of God, there is nothing arbitrary. All things have a, all things have a definite purpose. I was listening to a testimony today, and I don't want to get too far off in this, but I was just listening to a testimony today of a man being interviewed several years ago. That The man being interviewed was Brother N.A. Urshan, and, and uh, he was in uh, Iraq at the time. This was many years ago, and, and he was needing some help. They were needing God to intervene on, on their behalf, and, and so he went into a, a shop of sorts, into a, a place of business, and, and there 
they were. They were there on business for not only the organization, but they were there on business for the king. And he said, I heard a man talking and I recognized his Texas accent. And he said, I walked over there and I said, excuse me, sir, are you from Texas? He said, you can bet your boots I am. And he said, well, we need some help. I need, I need some real divine help. We are trying to get into the American embassy and, and at another point in time, I'll talk more about this. And, and uh, he said, well, I am the man that you need to be talking to. Because he said, I am second in command, but the man that is in charge is out of the country and has left me in charge for the next several weeks. And so God had him in that store at the right time to recognize a man with a Texas accent that said, I am the man that you are looking for. And so in the kingdom of God, there is nothing arbitrary. There is nothing random. And it seemed like, of course, if you knew the details of this, a very perplexing situation. So all things in God have a definite purpose. Even suffering has a purpose. The book of Philippians chapter three and 10, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And so I would like for us to consider just a few reasons tonight of why we may, or perhaps why we may be suffering. One of the things that we may be going through is a test of our faith. It just tests the metal of where we are. When a person is under pressure, you're gonna find out what's inside. <laughs> It's an old illustration, but someone says it's only when you squeeze the toothpaste that you find out what's really there. And so when a person is under pressure, it's then that things become begin to rise. Sometimes suffering comes our way. It's a testing of our faith. Of course, one man who stands out head and shoulders above all Bible characters as a man who is faithful through suffering, without a doubt, that man would be Job. He was proven by pressure. We often think about Job's physical riches and we're awed by his enormous wealth. His physical wealth was great, but I'll promise you this, that it didn't come in even a second close with the, with the spiritual things that he possessed. The Bible says in the first book of Job, here we find established the reason for Job's greatness. There was a man in the land of us named, whose name was Job and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Job's greatness came not because of his business mind, not because of his last name, not because of his lineage or his DNA, but he is a man who was where he was in life because of his position and relationship to God. The same chapter that records all of the wonderful things about Job and his wealth is the same chapter that records all of his poverty and loss. Satan challenged God that Job would curse. He said he'll curse you if he suffers a little bit. However, after losing everything that he had, Job remained faithful to God. Job said things like this, in verse number 15, chapter 13, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I will maintain my ways before him. I will not let this determine who I am. I will not let this change me as a person. Now, I think it's interesting to note that at this particular time, Job did not know the end of the story. 
we can read this with great gusto. We can read this with great faith because we're already ahead. We know how it all ends. But at this time, it was all calamity and chaos and dust and ash. But he said, I am going to trust him. He did not even know if things would ever change. As far as Job was concerned, this is just it. This is how I will end my life. Nevertheless, he still trusted God and said, I'm gonna be faithful to him. The suffering didn't shake his faith in God. There's an interesting observation to be made concerning Job. The Bible says in the very end of his life, chapter, uh, not the end of his life, at the end of this particular story, Job 42 and 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. What an interesting thing. The turnaround came whenever Job started realizing I need, to, I need to even further get my eyes off of me and pray for others and reach for those around him. And so God began to bless him and his possessions began to double. Sometimes we suffer because God is trying to promote some growth in our life. I know it's uncomfortable and we think uh, that, that, that it's almost twisted that God would send us down this path, but God is wanting us to grow and stretch ourselves. Suffering has a unique way of encouraging and promoting spiritual growth if, 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 if we respond to it correctly. And if we get bitter and bent out of shape, then we're not certainly gonna grow spiritually. But if I can just help, ask God to help me make right decisions while I'm going through this and help me keep my spirit and my attitude right. And so in, in life, many people have endured unbelievable problems. They pressed on. They've achieved things despite things that were going on in their life. In his book, Seeds of Greatness, Dennis Waitley said, many talented individuals have overcome various human insufficiencies to truly make a difference. For instance, he writes, Beethoven was deaf, deaf or John Milton, the great poet, was blind. He even used one contemporary illustration by mentioning a man by the name of Tom Dempsey who was a field goal kicker for the NFL the unique thing about Tom Dempsey was that he only had half a foot on his kicking foot. But nevertheless, he broke the record for the longest field goal in NFL history. And so he overcame his, his deficiencies. Amen. And so just like physical suffering and infirmities can be stepping stones to physical success, physical sufferings can also be stepping stones to spiritual growth. Paul in, in Romans 8 and 18, he says this, for I reckon the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I understand it's hard to get our hands and our mind and our heart around this when we are in the thick of it. But this is what Paul said. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time aren't even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He connects the fellowship of his suffering to be in joint heirs with the Lord. Paul writes to the Philippian church in 310 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And so here's what he was trying to say is that the sufferings of this present time are gonna dim compared to the glory which shall be revealed. Or as Bishop Don Johnson put it, he said, all the good things outweigh the bad things. I can't complain. Another purpose for suffering is, is sometimes it purges us from things that are hindering us or 
The book of John, chapter 15, records the words of the Lord concerning the relationship with the vine and the branch. Let's read that. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit to the untrained mind that may seem absurd. He that cuts it away, he's gonna cut it away so it'll bring forth more. We think more means more and God is saying less means more. And it's hard for us to get our heart wrapped around that. The Bible uses the word purge. A horticulturist may use the word prune to prune a tree of unproductive branches or to shape a tree will greatly enhance a tree's production. Some limbs bear fruit, but here's the problem. The way the branch is shaped, if it begins to bear fruit, it's just gonna break off, and so I need to prune it. I need to reshape it. I need to make a difference. So pruning is necessary. It's the same in our lives. We need God from time to time says, I'm gonna have to step in here and prune this. I'm gonna have to do this, but it's for your good. It's uncomfortable now, but it will be, you'll be so much more productive in the end. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come and I will conclude with these remarks. Let's consider just, if we will, three things that often happen as a result of suffering and I'm not limiting this to three things, but I know these three things are true. Many times suffering turns people to God. Oftentimes when life overwhelms someone, it seems that God holds a greater attraction in their life than before. Many people have turned to the Lord in the midst of tremendous, tremendous seasons of suffering. Another thing that suffering teaches us is submission. Suffering has a way of uh, suffering has a way of changing our attitude. Suffering teaches us lessons of weakness because when weakness is present, brashness and dominance and can I say it? A loud mouth gets pretty silent when weakness moves in. And everything else is just robbed and taken away. All of that, I got it together, can just go fluttering away. And it teaches us submission, submission. Suffering often brings with it in its wings a spirit of humility One man said, some people are always grumbling because roses have thorns, but he said, I'm just so thankful that thorns have roses. There's a man who's been down the road a little while. Suffering has a tendency to make us thankful for the blessings, thankful for the the small things. You know, no matter where you are today, no matter where you are in life, somebody thinks you've got it made. Someone thinks that you've never had a rainy day. Someone sees you from a distance. 
They see you across the aisle, across the way. They see you on your job. They see you with what they assume, that perpetual smile. And they think you've never, ever, ever had anything go wrong. But I'm assuming you could tell them a different story. There are more than just a few people in this room today. Our, most of our youth are out, and so this is a predominantly an adult, class, adult audience, so I can say this. There are very, very few people in this room that have not had to count change at some point in your life to make ends meet. Am I right? That's not how everybody else feels about you now. They think you had to sweep all that out of the way just to get out the front door. But I'm talking to people who've counted change to see if we were going to be able to buy some things that we needed in our life. Some people who walked through some very uncertain times, uncertain times when you didn't really know. You lived perhaps in a place you didn't want to live or you... You had to live there because that's you, that's all you could do. That was as much as you, you wore clothes. That's all you could afford. You drove a car. That's the best you could do. When I talk about my 1971 Pinto, my son just kind of grins and looks at me like I'm an alien. But it was the best I could do. I was thankful to have it. For one thing, it meant I didn't have to ride the school bus an hour and a half twice a day (laughs) but I was thankful to have it that was the car I was driving when I got married and it was the car I drove a long time after we got married because I just thought I couldn't afford a car to begin with Now now I really can't afford anything the final thing is we stand suffering helps us to glorify God It helps us to put God back where God should have been all along. I can't do this with you. The old song that says, down on my knees, that's where I learned to stand. I can't even walk without him holding my hand. Amen. So when we can go no further, God is right there. He's just standing right there. He's not standing there with folded arms and said, well, I told you so. But he's standing there with extended arms that says, I'll be glad to help you. All of our suffering can assist in positioning us where we can greater glorify God. Our voice is more clear. Our purpose is more true. And God is able to turn that suffering to praise. It's, it's not for naught. We're not going through this because God's picking on us. We're not going to face this because God is bored and just going to see what we can take. No. God said, I'm trying to give birth to something. I want to show you something. Now, I want to close with this one thing. I want to go back. I want to go back to Moses. Moses could, could stand by the commitment that he made. I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, all because he got a glimpse of something invisible. He could see the hand of God at work somehow in all of this. And so when you can see even the most subtle hand of God and you've got to be fair in your assessment of that, then we know God is going to sustain us and see us through. Amen.
Can we magnify the Lord together? Praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.